Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hey guys, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. This is episode number 83. I'm going to do a solo podcast today. I'm going to answer a few business questions. I just threw up a uh, what do you call it? A Q&A on Instagram uh, about an hour ago and said, I'm going to answer some business questions. What qu- kind of questions do you have? Off you go. And I've got like 10 or 12 or maybe less. I don't know, but I have them on my phone. If you're watching on, in- on, sorry, on YouTube, that's why I'm looking down a little bit. So I'm just going to go kind of quick fire. I probably won't delve too deep, but then again, I always say that. So we're going to talk a bit about marketing, a bit about content a bit about networking uh ads a little bit maybe um advice for when i was younger business wise what cpd courses to take uh what else ideas for consistent footfall um yeah that's it as far as i can see so we'll uh We'll just get cracking straight into those. I We actually just passed 255 star reviews on Spotify for the podcast. So thank you for that. If you haven't clicked five stars, can you please go and do that? I would say it makes a big difference. I don't know. Maybe it does or not. But I think it probably... No, I don't, I don't know, to be honest. But give it a little five star. That would be nice. Uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do something there. Do something nice for us. I don't know what you can do, but click something that's nice. Um, okay, so here we go. Uh, the first question was, can you expand on your marketing funnel versus wheel that you spoke about on your recent story? So I uh, was asked on a recent story about can you... Oh, can you give us an insight into your marketing funnel? And um, I said, we don't have a funnel, we have a wheel. And yeah, that's how I think about it. So if you think about a funnel, you pour you pour water or customers, let's just stick with water, like you pour water into the top and you can, like it's wide at the top and it comes out at the bottom. And that is how a lot of people think about marketing, I think is like, okay, customers are potential customers are going to all kind of funnel in here we're going to get it's, it's it's quite wide at the top so we're just going to capture we will try and be semi-specific but we're going to capture a lot of people some of whom are maybe not right for us and they're going to filter down through different layers of the funnel so like top of funnel middle of funnel and then come out the bottom where they're going to buy something from us down the bottom um obviously not everyone that comes in will come out the bottom and that is just the case with marketing uh but it's kind of this step-by-step thing this step-by-step approach and i don't think about it like that at all i kind of yeah i don't really think about that at all i think that funnel approach is like the charles poliquin approach to marketing which is let's pretend that we can kind of measure every step-by-step thing okay your rotator cuff needs to be x amount of strength of your chest press blah 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 blah. like this kind of structural balance like we can measure everything um and we can really try and 
we can really try and like decode what's going on here. And actually, you can't. So I suggest, I don't suggest, sorry, I won't suggest. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people get success with that approach, or at least they think they're getting success. It may not be because of that approach, but at least they're they're trying to measure stuff and trying to be exact with stuff. I don't think, I think that's an old school approach when there wasn't as much content creation going on. The old school, like digital marketers, um, just internet money people, they had a funnel approach and a lot of them were selling uh, through a launch model, which was like, okay, I'm going to run an ad on YouTube. That ad is going to ask you to sign up to this newsletter. And now I, I put you into a, a kind of an email marketing system um, an email marketing funnel where like if you do this and you click open this then you're going into this group if you don't click open that you're going into that group and i'm not saying anything is wrong with any of this like we have that too we have a little bit of that as well but it's like all completely measured step by step you go here then you go here then you go here then you go here now you end up on a webinar with us where you're going to buy a high ticket offer i'm going to sell you with a launch model that launch model works really well for the right person and webinars are a great place to make sales and that's not the only way a funnel is used but it's not how i think about our content and our customers our potential customers and i don't think it works as well it still probably works really well actually to be honest but i don't think it works as well nowadays and i like to think of it as just a wheel so instead of you come in through x y and z place it's and then you go here and then you go here i like to think of a wheel which is like you can come in from anywhere and kind of go in all these different directions you can be in the middle of the wheel you can go to the left you can come back to the middle you can go up you can come back to the middle you can go right you can just play around and eventually our we're kind of everywhere and you're going to see us and be impressed with us everywhere. You like our content everywhere. And eventually you're going to come to the right place and buy something from us. So you could, so for, for us, it's just like a wheel of content, a wheel of engagement um, where you're going to hopefully see us on Instagram or Instagram posts, let's say, let's just talk about Instagram. So you're going to see us on Instagram the feed hopefully you're going to see our ads on instagram you're going to see us on instagram stories you're going to see us on other instagram pages who have shared stuff about us so there's a lot of places even within there that you're going to see us you're also hopefully going to listen to our podcast like you're doing now you are going to maybe watch some of our youtube videos you're going to hopefully sign up for our email newsletter or email email list and start to um, engage with some of our emails and stuff like that there none of this is designed for this is the first entry place for you to go uh, you're also going to listen to it not just our podcast but hopefully my guest's podcast where I'm on with other people so you can just binge your content in loads of different places and I would like if there was more places as well I would like potentially if it was okay you can see us on Twitter as well somewhere but I'm not a big fan of Twitter and I don't think Treads is available in Europe yet so that's not an option even though we might uh, look at that when it is our YouTube probably should be better I'm not saying any of this is good like anything that we're doing is good it's just how I like to think about it you might listen to us on a guest podcast that's where you come in 
then you go and sign up to our email newsletter then you go and do god knows what and you end up buying a program for us or you end up just coming to a workshop so i do have um i do have a kind of a little bit more step by step when it comes into what when it comes down to what products i would like you to buy in what order not really but kind of and it's not even it's not even in marketing terms. It's actually to make your education life a bit easier. So like we have, and that, and that kind of just goes like low to high ticket offers. So we have our lower offers, our lower price point offers, which are our programs. We have our member site, which is slightly more expensive. We have our workshops, which are slightly more expensive. And then we'll have like mentorship or more education, which will be a good bit more expensive again. So like that is kind of a natural progression, but in terms of a marketing funnel, how you hear about those things and what makes you buy. I don't think that can be measured as easily as people seem to believe. And I don't think the funnel concept, I think it confuses you and I think it puts your mindset in a way that you're trying to measure things that you can't measure. And you're trying to set things up in a way that they don't need to be set up. Just make sure you have good content in different places. Make sure people can access you. Some people don't want to watch you on YouTube. Some people will what will read your emails. Some people won't buy on YouTube or Instagram, but they will buy through email after they've watched some stuff on YouTube or Instagram. Some people are more interested in text-based like Twitter. Some people are going to kind of fall in love with your stuff when they start to listen to you on a podcast. So I don't need it to be one than the other. I just need this to be available for wherever you want to go. And then obviously your biggest fans uh, will be, will kind of engage with your content everywhere. So I just think of a wheel, be a little bit of everywhere. That doesn't, I don't want to say be a little bit of everywhere, but because that means like you're, you maybe are putting your attention on like, trying to be everywhere and not actually doing a good job anywhere. So I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but eventually that might be the right thing to do, but maybe not right now. So like we put a lot of focus on Instagram for a long time. Then we brought out the podcast. Then we, uh, no, well, we had email all, all along and we tried to be consistent with it, even though it's, there's not a lot of it. We have a little bit of YouTube. I think that's the next thing I'm going to do is try and make better YouTube content. So but ultimately, it's not like you'll hopefully go in through one and then to the next and to the next. It's not a progression. It's a wheel. It's just a wheel. So don't do the Charles Poliquin uh, trying to measure every single thing and like have these numbers and blah, blah, blah. Just have lots of good content everywhere and people will make whatever way they want to make. They're going to find you if your product and if your information and if your marketing is good enough. It doesn't have to be a funnel approach. Uh, I hope. You can make that work, definitely, but our approach is not that. Um, and I'm not a big fan of the launch mod leader, which is like every three months I'm going to launch a webinar and sell a shit ton. But I, I could go back on my what I'm saying on all of this stuff. Uh, I mean launch model as in not like you're launching, just to clear up, not like you're launching a new program, but like every three months, oh, our X program is now open. Come on to a webinar where I'm going to sell. You will sell a shit ton doing that type of launch model, but I think that puts a lot of pressure on you. Maybe doesn't mean I won't do it, but that's where that's where my mind is at the moment. Uh, next question: In your podcast with Larry Doyle last year, you spoke about 
feeling like you would potentially like to leave the industry at some stage have you thought any more about that um i think i just had like a case of seasonal depression around then not think like listening actually i haven't listened back but if i did listen back i because i know the mood i was in then i was i was i was probably yeah i was probably like semi-depressed around that stage uh it could have been the time of year that was like maybe december or january or i can't remember you said last year so that was definitely winter time in ireland which is part of it uh I don't know, probably had shit going on. And yeah, that was part of it. I don't think financial wise, like we could leave the industry and I could make it work. Um, we could do that. Uh, that wouldn't be a big issue. We have a little bit of savings there and I could make it work. And I'm of the belief, like if you want to learn something, you can learn it and you can do whatever. But like, I don't think I have a choice in terms of if I went to be a plumber, and I was looking at pipes, like, all I'd see is fucking shin angles or something like that. You know, I, I, this is what I do. And I don't even mean that I'm, I don't mean that this is my talent or anything like that. I just mean, this is what my brain thinks about. It's what it focuses on. When I'm walking out the street, when I'm having a coffee, like, this is the stuff I'm thinking about. This is the stuff I'm seeing. And maybe I could train myself out of that, but also kind of, I don't think I have a choice. This is just kind of what I do. Like, a writer kind of just needs to write whether they're good or bad they probably feel better when they write a musician feels better when they're making music a uh, soccer player or whatever feels better when they're playing soccer so this is kind of what i need like feel like i need to do um and obviously there's ups and downs and good points and bad points but for the most part yeah, i was probably depressed around then and i I'm not working in an office. I work for myself. We make good money. I could get to pretty much choose who I want to work with. There's way more pros than cons. Um, there's just sometimes some cons, which is like the industry is a mess. But that's just me focusing on. That was probably just that's, that was probably part of my mindset around then, and it was because part of that conversation was with Larry, which was like a counseling session. Actually, looking back, thank you, Larry. But part of that was and he's a good person to get counseling from actually but um yeah it was just frustrations with the industry that i let get in at me rather than just thinking about what i'm trying to do better i was thinking about the industry as a whole so i don't know look at someone like conor mcgregor and just see you can kind of see how potentially you know obviously you're looking in from the outside but it looks like his life is kind of falling apart and that's not a money thing. Obviously, he's probably has more money than ever. But when he's not fighting, he's when he's not fighting, when he's not having to train for a fight, he doesn't look as happy. He doesn't look as healthy. He doesn't look as tuned in. He certainly doesn't look as sharp in terms of brain and the way he talks and stuff. So I think he's a fighter who needs to fight. But the problem is he doesn't need to fight anymore because he has enough money and the money that he can earn probably far outweighs what he could earn just from a UFC fight certainly like he that would mean he'd have to train really hard for several months for that but if he put in several months into building another brand maybe he could make a lot more money so he doesn't need the money but this is an issue that happens to people I don't need the money or he doesn't need the money but it probably would be better for him if he was fighting anyway 
and even obviously you can't fight forever you can't play your sport forever that's why people go into coaching that's why footballers when they retire they sit in their couch for two years and then they end up kind of depressed because they're like the fuck do i do now uh and like yeah you can invest in a company you can do this and that but really like they need to be involved in the game involved in the thing that they they love that they spent their life working on and whether that's like for a footballer it could be punditry or coaching or i don't know some of the like uh administration side like i'm going to be a sporting director i'm going to be a manager i'm going to be a pundit it could be whatever but they're just involved so someone like conor mcgregor like it's going to be very difficult for him to not fight and be happy or not coach but if he's coaching that's like oh this is the potential billionaire guy with a lamborghini yacht but he's in a gym coaching some kid who like there's not there's not money in that, but that is actually what would probably keep him saner than anything else, and that's kind of where we're at. I'm not comparing myself to Conor McGregor, by the way, in terms of talent or anything like that. I'm just saying this is what my brain focuses on, so this is probably what I need to do, regardless of if we made enough money to leave or not. Um, so that's that one. Advice for dealing with negativity and trolls online. Um, I've gone through like several stages of this, uh, not in terms of several, several stages of trolling, but several different thought processes around this. I have thought about it being like, it's, it's the best content in terms of content. If someone is trolling you, look at what someone like Jake Tura does. It's brilliant content. You can just kind of take the piss out of them and use that back against them, which is great content you can use the negativity that people are posting on your posts to clarify your point and actually strengthen your point even more or maybe not go the opposite way and say, yeah, maybe you're right. Um, for me, if, so someone like, someone, I put up a tennis biomechanics video recently and one guy started commenting. It was actually, it actually went kind of semi-viral and it's been, continually getting a lot of views even though i put that up probably two or three weeks ago um and some guy was commenting commenting like the knee is a hinge joint what are you saying internal external rotation doesn't occur at the knee joint which it clearly does and did in that video and then he was saying no the hip is clearly doing this so he's basically saying i'm wrong about everything and i was going to comment back this is just an example i was going to comment back to him but you know what happens to me when I do this? It's not that I don't care about the negative comments. It's what happens to me is if, and I've noticed this, like I've observed this, I do care about them. I want to kind of prove them wrong. But what happens is I, if I reply to that and say, no, you're wrong because of X, Y, and Z reasons, I've observed this very clearly. I'm going to be sitting there on the couch or in the office and I'm going to be checking my phone nonstop, pretty much, until that fucker comments back again, so that then I can comment back again. And suddenly, this sounds stupid, but suddenly 24 hours have passed, and there's been four comments from me, four comments for him. But this has kind of been on my mind nonstop. Uh, so it's not that I care about the negative comments in terms of in terms of 
like they're mostly idiots who don't have a clue what they're talking about. So it's not like I'm thinking, oh shit, like he got me. Not in that way, but it's like it's it's what it does to my attention and my energy. It saps me. It forces me to focus on the wrong things, and that's why. Yeah, I mostly just ignore it now. Unless I just put up a post and like one of the first 10 comments is someone saying something stupid, then you kind of have to deal with it because other loads of other people are going to see that and that's your chance that's your chance to actually like set the record straight in this instance. But Guys, if you're sick of using calf and tibialis raises with yourself or your clients, hoping that they will work, secretly knowing that they won't, then check out our foot program in the show notes. I'll teach you how I rehab and train all of my clients, how to unlock their rear foot and their ankle, how to pressurize their midfoot, how to load and strengthen their forefoot, how to build a connection from the foot to the hip, how to progress through plyometrics. It will open up so many tools in your toolbox and and completely transform how you view lower leg training. So check it out. You won't regret it. Yeah, for the most part, I just ignore it now. I won't comment back. Now, again, again, I always reserve my right to change my mind. I'm not even saying I never comment back. So if you see me commenting back at someone, like, I'm not saying I don't do that, but I'm more going towards that saying, just ignore it. Even though it is great content, even though there's more, a lot of pros involved with not getting into that battle, which is like, or sorry, with getting into that battle, which is clarifying your thought process, better for the algorithm, more people will see it who do like you and potentially get involved. Uh, There's loads of things you can make, it can make it be funny, blah, 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 blah. But it nags at me a little bit and then I end up, thinking about this for sometimes like over a day for no reason so i'm at the stage where i like to ignore it not because it don't care or because it doesn't annoy me for the very reason that it does annoy me um okay cool next question what would you tell yourself business-wise at the age of 20 to 23 i wouldn't tell myself anything um i i know that's kind of a common answer uh or sometimes like seen as like a smart answer I just wouldn't. I, there's nothing I needed to know. I am where I am. Uh, our business is doing okay, pretty well, I would say. And just because I spent the ages of 20 to 23 learning shit and making mistakes and just trying to be better, uh, not even trying to be better, just accidentally doing things that made me better in some ways. So yeah, just at those ages, just learn as much as you can. And at every age, just learn as much as you can. But definitely in those ages just learn don't try to learn about business learn about the thing that you're trying to do so if you're trying to be a good coach learn about what makes you a good coach and yeah you can learn business lessons along the way of course but just be better at being a good coach if you're trying to be a good accountant be a good accountant if you're trying to be whatever you have so much time to like leverage your skills but that that age those ages are the time to to build as much skill as you can so that you can then go on and leverage it uh, further down the road. So yeah, just learn. Don't worry about business-wise. Just learn, 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 learn. Um, Okay, how to know what CPD courses you should take? This is an easy answer. Just take them all. And I don't mean take them all in the one year necessarily, but 
because you need time in between courses to like reflect and implement and find out what works and what doesn't uh you don't want to be a course junkie in some ways but in other ways if something takes your fancy just take it a workshop like if you go to a weekend workshop a workshop isn't just a workshop a workshop is it's not just the material that you're learning it's not just 30 people in a room listening to someone talking it's you in a room listening to someone talking alongside 30 people that are very like you and you could spend you could spend 10 years in this industry not actually meeting anyone potentially or one or two people that are like you and I don't mean like you as in they're just a coach as well that doesn't make them like you I mean they are interested in the same topics as you which might be human movement or you might come to one of our workshops and it might be like a certain model of movement or I won't even say that a certain model I would say you're you're actually interested in biomechanics and learning how to improve how people move and open up some space and blah 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 like you're into that whether David's workshop was good or shit doesn't matter that much of course it's whatever workshop you go to you want it to be good and you want to learn loads there but also you just met 30 30 people maybe in a room that are like you and if you can meet those people that that's very very important in and of itself and if you go and the workshop is really good great you've got loads of great information if you go and the workshop was not good then great you just found out what's not good i don't like the way that person teaches i don't like the way they talk i don't like the way they the principles that they use i don't like how they coach i don't like whatever so there's loads of pros involved with going to a workshop or doing a cpd course that actually didn't turn out to be good there's loads of pros involved and like it's not just 30 people in a room it's 30 people like you in a room and that is invaluable to be honest um so take a long-term view on things go to whatever tickles your fancy and learn what works what doesn't work and meet loads of people that's what i would say uh we do have two workshops coming up by the way which i may as well slip in here actually there's Two tickets left for New York City in October. They will probably be gone by the time this episode airs. And there's about eight or ten maybe for DC, Washington, DC in October. So uh, grab one of those. Even if you're not in that city, there's lots of people flying in. So come and be in a room with people. That would be good. Um, okay, next one. Which way will I go? Um, marketing without making you want to launch yourself into the sea (laughs) um that's a direct quote uh that is the question um i don't know just put your thoughts out there that's marketing put your thoughts out there if you want to make content just walk down the street and talk about a specific topic that you were thinking about that day that's marketing that's what i would say have fun with it and just don't think about what other people are doing. What do you want to do best? Um, mar- the marketing you're doing. I don't know. I would ask you what marketing you're doing that makes you want to launch yourself into the sea because none of our marketing makes me feel like that. It makes me, we just do, like I spoke before, the wheel of engagement. We just try and put up good content that's helpful for people. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's my answer there. What are you doing in the first place that's making you feel like that? It really shouldn't. Uh, so yeah, your 
you're trying too hard or you're doing something weird, just put up good content that people want to see um, or that will be helpful, that you think will be helpful for people. Uh, advice on networking. Um, I don't really network. I hate that idea of networking. I, it's so transactional to me, the, the idea of networking. I just, and actually, funnily enough, people have loads of people particularly people in ireland have said to me like you you know everyone which firstly i don't but i don't know i i i know people like in america i know good coaches who are pretty popular pretty famous within the industry in america and in australia and in england and in ireland they always seem to get really impressed by that and that leads to the question around how should i network and the answer is I don't know how that happened. I just probably goes back to the last question, like marketing. I just put up good content that I think might be helpful to people. Actually, I won't even say good content. I just put up content that I think might be helpful to people. And then naturally, if it is helpful, it's good. So networking sounds so transactional the way people do it. And I'm really bad, actually. The amount of times that I've lost potential contacts and networks from just not replying to DMs or replying to one DM and then they DM me back and then I miss that DM or something like that. That that has been detrimental to my network, I would say. So uh, that's just a pure accident and pure just I'm not good with messaging. So I wouldn't take advice from me on networking, even if I have a a good or a decent network. I just kind of make friends with people that I think I might like. Um, and that might be like inviting them on the podcast, engaging with some of their content sometimes, um, or oftentimes it's people who are just interested in our work and then they'll kind of wiggle their way in, like in terms of they'll come to a workshop. Actually, here's an example, like someone like Brandon, who was on the podcast recently, he engaged with some of our content for a little while. He tagged us in a couple of stories and posts and stuff. Then he came to our workshop in Melbourne and then did a little, we did a little bit more of that. We chatted like just in DMs the odd time. And then I asked him to come on the podcast. And now I would consider him like a friend um, and someone, I don't know, I hate that network name just does my head in really, it doesn't sit right with me, but like he is someone that would be in my network in terms of, I'm sure I could ask him something if I needed a hand or I'm sure he could ask me something. So that was very organic. Nothing around that was like me sitting down thinking, who do I need to network with? It was just, or I'm, I'm sure it wasn't on his part either. It was just like, oh, I think I like what this person is saying and I'm going to engage with that a little bit. And then it just goes to where it goes to like any healthy relationship. You don't be a creep. You just kind of make friends with people and things just develop organically. So that's what I would say there. Uh, I did mention going to workshops. And again, I don't mean our workshops. I just mean earlier on, I said a workshop isn't just 30 people in a room. It's 30 people like you. So workshops and CPDs and stuff are great opportunities to network. Some of the people, I say this at the start of every one of our workshops, you might be here for me, like for our content, but actually you might walk away saying that workshop wasn't that good, but you might look back in five years time and think and and think holy shit 
these two people that I met at that workshop, they have been instrumental for my development as a coach or they've opened up opportunities to me that I just couldn't foresee at that time. So going to workshops and stuff uh, is probably the best way because you're just filtering through a lot of the crap. Of course, there will be people there that you don't want to network with, but there will also be people there with similar like-minded to you who also have skills that maybe you don't quite have that they can help you with and vice versa and maybe access to different resources or different people that you don't have and vice versa so workshopping is really good that's another big reason why you should go uh to stuff and cpds and engaging with people online and different things like that uh so it's never been easier to be honest um Anything else? So we had the law, we have the wheel of engagement. We have Larry Doyle's question. We have negativity and trolls. We have networking. We have marketing without making you launch, want to launch yourself into the sea. We have, what would you tell yourself business-wise? We have what CBD courses to take. We have, uh, oh, we have ideas for consistent footfall in the area you live. Uh, it's very much up and down for me. I know who this is. This is a therapist. And I know the, the town that he lives in. So I know I have a bit more context around that question. Um, I don't think... I think you're asking the wrong question. You're asking about consistent footfall. It's consistent revenue that you want. Uh, not consistent footfall. Now, obviously, in your business, maybe consistent footfall equals consistent revenue. But I just would clean up that question a little bit. Like, how do you get consistent revenue? Because that opens up more, that opens up more potential answers than just asking about consistent footfall. So if it's consistent revenue, well, ultimately, it's consistent profit that you want. But if we're just going to speak about revenue here, because we can't talk about uh, your outgoings. But if it's consistent revenue that you want, then online might be an option. Um, there's also, it, it leads into, okay, I want consistent footfall. Does that mean that I need more new customers coming in? Or does that mean that I need to re-engage with customers that were in in the past, but are not working me, with me at the moment? Or does that mean I need to make sure that the customers or the clients that I have at the moment are not falling off their session plan too early? And I don't mean, I mean ethically too early, as in they're just leaving thinking, okay, this isn't working, I need to go elsewhere. So you can get new customers in, you can re-engage with old customers who have already been in, you can get more out of the customers that are already in in an ethical way or you can just charge more which is also getting more out of them but i mean like you can do more sessions with them or you can charge them more or you could do all of those things so i think asking the question consistent revenue is more important than consistent footfall now maybe you'll say it's the same question but just for my sake, I'm going to answer it in that in that way. So I would look at those few metrics and say, okay, in a week or in a month, how many new customers are coming in? Is that consistent? In a week or in a month, how many customers am I losing where, okay, I think you were going to need roughly, like I said to you, you were going to need like eight sessions 
and obviously that's subject to change but i think like if you're doing a rehab for someone's knee it's going to take a couple of months let's say to rebuild this up blah 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 blah. but like so i I project for eight sessions but actually after three sessions they leave so is that consistent like what what's your percentage of your drop-off here how many people are dropping off how soon do they drop off um and how many people actually complete their session session plan or get back to the goal that they wanted to get back to? That's a question. Uh, the other question is how many people, it might be like how many referrals do I actually get from current customers? That's a great way of getting new people in. So I would be measuring all these metrics. If you're serious about this, I would be measuring these metrics separate to each other rather than just new customers. I would measure how many new customers am I getting? Where are they coming from? Um, how long are they staying with me? How soon? What, what's the average drop off? How many sessions are they dropping off on? And versus the projected amount of sessions that they might need, uh, all those things. And what's the average revenue per customer? And how can I up that? So there's so many different little things that you can pull on. And then there's obviously different services that you can offer in terms of um, like, I don't know, you see, for example, I'm just talking about a physio clinic here because I noticed what this therapist does. Like you see upsells around, okay, should you go to Pilates classes afterwards? Do you need a strength and conditioning program after you're finished with me? Do you need whatever? Do you need like, yeah, whatever, whatever it might be. So there's loads of ways that you can up the revenue again, ethically to help someone. And um, you don't, it's not more footfall that you might need. It's more, maybe you just need to put up your prices. That's what I would say. Now, specific to this person in, specifically to this person, I will say that your footfall isn't consistent because of the, and this is a guess, but because of the population that you serve the most, which I would guess is Gaelic footballers and hurlers. And if you want consistent footfall and consistent revenue, ultimately, it's not that you can't do it with those people you can but they are the most inconsistent people to work with because this there's there's a season and there's also as soon as the end of the season comes they're gone they don't care anymore and and of course i'm generalizing here but a lot of them don't care anymore about going to a physio or getting my injury sorted they just it's education they just presume like this is going to be fine yeah i'll come back to you in six months um when i tear my hamstring again when i just forgot about it for six months so there's that idea there so i would say it's the type of clientele that you're serving is potentially an issue as well for consistent footfall they're not consistent also you look at your drop-off rates for them you'll tell them you have a hamstring injury uh you this is going to take four weeks and you'll do one session for them with them and then they'll come back in the following week and they'll say or they won't come back in the following week because they've trained that weekend or they played a game that weekend and they said yeah i didn't listen to you i just went and i I was fine or else i re-injured it and now i went to another physio and i'm blaming you for that issue so consistent footfall it's consistent revenue you want you need to look at First and foremost, who are you serving? Like, what message are you putting out there? Who are you trying to attract? How many of them are you attracting? How long are they staying? How much are you charging? There's a million things, not a million things. There's four or five things that you need to measure, I would say, and find out 
like where your business is leaking there rather than a broad question of just kind of get more customers in because you'll never fill a hole if you're always trying to get more customers in you'll never fill that hole if they're always just dropping off really quickly and that might not be any issue with you whatsoever it could be that actually you're just serving the wrong type of person in the first place uh okay the last one was face face facebook ads how are they going for you um they're going well we have a positive return on ad spend, which is good. It's nice to be able to not sell as much online. So like I don't have to post. I, I, I very rarely post on my Instagram feed about a sale. Sorry, not about a sale. We rarely have a sale. But like I re- very rarely post, uh, okay, go and buy this program. I do on my stories every day. I'll put up like one little story or something like that. But it's nice to just know that the ads are running in the background there and people are going to be shown a program or whatever they need. And when they're ready, they'll buy it. So that's really good. And there's a positive return on ad spend. Maybe it could be way better than it is. Maybe it could be definitely could be worse. I know that. Um, So I will just say it's good and it's been helpful. And this year, 2023 so far, we have doubled a revenue on 2022 so january to august 2023 we've doubled our revenue from january to august 2022 and i would say some of that is because of our ad spend others have been because of um just our content has improved we've grown we're attracting more people in uh we have more products and programs on offer we've ran more workshops so like there's a lot of different things at play, but some of it is to do with ad spend, I will say. So, uh, okay, that's the end of the podcast, I think. I hope it was helpful. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's just a ramble. Maybe you've heard me saying it all before. Maybe I'm talking absolute crap um, and I don't know what I'm talking about. All of those things are more than an option. They're definitely all uh, feasible, I would say. So take it all with a grain of salt. Um, come to a workshop in America if you want, um, but you probably should act very, very quick there. And that's not a sales tactic. These will sell out. So I'm not too fussed. I'm not pushing on you, but we probably won't be back in America anytime soon. Um, and then, yeah, go and get lower body basics, upper body basics, our foot, ankle, and Achilles program, core basics. They're all there linked in the show notes below. All good programs, all super practical which is the key point i think that's where i think is a good place to start just go and see how i coach the exercises how i progress the exercises how i program the exercises um and yeah tons of value there for for you uh and yeah apart from that i think that's the pod and i'll chat to you guys next week